Well, it is good to be back with you. And yes, we had a wonderful time, our group. And we did a lot of learning and a lot of growing. Uh, did you know that there is another beatitude out there that we didn't know about until we went on this trip and found out? The ninth beatitude, and that's blessed are the flexible, for they shall not get bent out of shape. You know, anytime you're on a group like this and, uh, you know, you have a plane ride that's 12 hours, folks, and it's not a lot of fun in the economy at 11 o'clock at night, and there's hundreds of people and you're trying to get a snapshot with a camera and all the people that are standing around and just all the other things, I tell you, you really have to roll with the punches. You got to be flexible, and yes, you have to develop patience. We had a four-hour layover in Newark, and there at 4 a.m., and once the Hudson Bookstore opened, I wanted to stretch my legs and take a gander, and I got in there, and I couldn't help uh, noticing the healthy shelf of all the self-help books that are available. And most of them seem to mirror our obsession with time. And of course, I notice all the things on there like one year to a college degree or 30 days to a better life or seven days to a brand new me. And you know, there's all kinds of interesting titles like that. If you just go over to Barnes and Noble, or if you hop on Amazon, you'll see all kinds of infatuation with time, like the one-minute father, or the 60-second prayer life, or 60 seconds to stress management. Do you know there's over 100 titles with the word instant in it today? Everything from instant emotional healing to instant time management. And time, what is it today? If you stop and analyze your conversation, time seems to seep in in just about every conversation that we have these days, in just about every area of our life. In fact, the editors of Oxford Dictionary tell us that time is the most frequently used noun in the English language. We always say we are hard-pressed for time, or we're under the gun, or we're crunched for time, or rushed for time. So we're in this sermon series here as we begin the year, and we're focusing on margin, making room for what really matters in life. And what would it look like in your life if you really just readjusted the margin? If you just had a moment of introspection and you look deep into your life and, and what would it be that you would need to do if you were to have healthy boundaries and a, a healthy margin in your life? After all, if it really matters, it's worth waiting for, isn't it? Now, if you are going to create room for margin in your life, you're going to have to develop some patience. And do you know that most of the road to heaven is only about 20 miles an hour? I've got a book on the shelf from a Japanese Christian. 
And the title of our book is The Three Mile an Hour God. And you know, we're always in a hurry, always in a rush, and there's such urgency that seems to be such a part of our life. We hear a lot about go ye, but we hear very little about tarry. In fact, that's what the Lord said, isn't it? Tarry here a while, and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, how you deal with the irritations of life really says a lot about your faith. And the Bible here in this text that I wanted to share with you, in fact, I have several scriptures that kind of have spoken to me that I want to share. And this one here out of the book of Proverbs chapter 16, to kind of use that as our base text today and to reflect upon these words that the writer here gives us, it's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. I saw a sign some time back that said a person without patience is like a car without brakes. If you've ever driven in the snow, you know you can hit that sheet of ice and you're just kind of out of control. And you know how often we are barreling through life and it just seems like we're out of control. And if you don't know how to have patience, you're really out of control. The writer goes on a couple of chapters later in the book of Proverbs 19 and says, impatience will get you into trouble. And isn't that a great truth? Impatience will get you into trouble. And so what's the secret of learning to be patient? How do you develop more patience in life? And I want to say to you, the answer in large part is you learning how to cooperate with God. The trouble isn't that you're in a hurry, but it's the fact that God isn't. And what you learn, and when you learn patience, you find out that God has a part and you have a part. God's part is to provide the circumstances and the opportunities in your life, and your part is to provide the appropriate response. God's part is to work on your life so that you might develop fruit so that you might grow, so that you might become holy, so that you might be a prepared people for that prepared place that he has for you. And our part is to have the right attitude. And there are all kinds of opportunities, I got to tell you, that can really teach us patience. All kinds of interruptions in life, all kinds of inconveniences, all kinds of irritations. For example, how many of you like to be interrupted? You just sat down for dinner and the phone rings. Or you're headed to the shower and there's a knock on the door. Or you've got a deadline that's really important. All of a sudden, these visitors that you haven't seen for years suddenly materialize. You come away from work at the end of the day and you say, it didn't, I didn't get very much accomplished today. Have you ever felt like that? You know, Brahms, the guy that gave us the famous lullaby, they tell us it took seven years to produce that lullaby. Uh, you know, I guess maybe because he got interrupted a lot. But somebody said, the rumor has it, he just kept falling asleep <laughs> to the lullaby. <laughs> but you know, Jesus had interruptions. And just being over there, noticing the kind of the, the climate and putting yourself into these 
spaces where Jesus was walking. Suddenly one day, these bunch of kids ran up to Jesus, and, and the disciples were kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of rebuking them. You kids, Jesus is too popular. He's too important to have time to deal with you. But what did Jesus do? He said, fellas, chill out, for such is the kingdom of heaven, these little children. Now, some interruptions I know in life are for us to learn patience. Maybe they're God-inspired in our life, but you know, faith takes up the cross, love binds it to the soul, but it's patience that bears it to the end. The long-suffering the forbearing, the enduring. The Lord provides these circumstances, I think, oftentimes to teach us patience. He is patient, and he wants us to learn to be patient. Our part is the response. I'm thinking of that wonderful instruction from the book of James, and you know that text there in James 1. It says, is your life full of difficulties? Then be happy, for when the way is rough, your patience has the chance to grow. Think of that text. You ought to have tremendous patience if you've experienced a lot of trial in your life, he's saying. Circle the word there, the phrase, patience has a chance to grow. Remember the story of Moses? Moses was in the wilderness, folks, for 40 years. And being over in that neck of the woods, I'm going to tell you, it's pretty bearing in some of those places. I can certainly understand the wilderness and the barrenness and the desert. And here he is out in that area with a couple million people. And they're all complaining and they're dissatisfied. They're ungrateful. They're critical. Moses finally had had enough. The Bible says he got angry and he disobeyed God and he struck the rock. And it was that sin that kept him out of the promised land. That was impatience. And it's just that serious for us as the Lord's disciples to learn how to have patience. It's the little things in life that really annoy us anyway, isn't it? It's not so much the big things. I mean, we can sit on the side of a mountain, but you can't sit on a tack or on a nail. It's the little things that irritate us. It's the little inconveniences that really get under our skin. It's those little irritations that just attach to the, like bronicles to the ship, just onto our life that just seem to ruin our day. It's kind of like the taxi driver there in New York City. It's not the driving I enjoy. It's the people I run over. <laughs> I know we would rather do anything today but wait. Anything. We're geared in the fast lane. Lord, I need patience and hurry up. I need it now. And God uses these things to really teach us what is our part? I'm going to give you three simple things today, three specific actions that you can kind of take away and some different scriptures that you can apply to your life today to begin to grow in patience. One is that we need to discover a bigger perspective. 
you got to learn to see from the other point of view and not just your own. There's always more than one way to look at something. Patience begins by changing the way you think about the situation. Now, here there's a proverb that speaks to us in this Proverbs 19. A person's wisdom gives him patience. Wisdom gives you patience. And you don't really get uptight with irritations. When you and I are impatient, really all we're thinking about is ourself. When you're standing in that long line in the grocery store, you're not thinking about the clerk that's going so slow and striking up a conversation. Or you're standing in line uh, there at the bank with a teller. You're not thinking about their issue and their problem. You're just thinking about your schedule and your situation and your needs and your time. All of us have pet peeves today. And I got to tell you, I could make a long list. Probably some of these are kind of uh, things that you share maybe with me today. I mean, cereal boxes that, that don't reseal. Or these automated uh, phones, when you want a real live human being, you have to li listen to the uh, hit one or hit two or hit three. Or customer service, especially computer technicians that don't speak English. <laughs> you know, when you are having a pet peeve, most of the time you are looking really only at yourself. And... Uh, What's this going to do for me? And I think all of us, patience, we need to understand, really begins with developing a bigger perspective. You're going to be patient. You've got to gain a broader perspective. The secret of a successful marriage is really looking at things from the vantage point of your spouse. The secret of a successful salesperson is really looking from the vantage point of one of the buyers or one of the customer's point of view. The secret of a parent is learning that perspective of the child. And the point is, patience begins with wisdom. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And if you want to be patient, you've got to gain that deeper perspective. Another thing that I would say to you that is really important is to deepen your love. Here, I want to tell you about that text that we oftentimes read at weddings, and I bet you already know what I'm talking about. It's that 1 Corinthians 13, down in verse 4, down in verse 7, it says, love is patient. Love is patient. When you're impatient, you are being unloving, and when you love somebody, you think about their needs. And when you're filled with love, almost nothing will irritate you. But when you're filled with anger and frustration, almost everything will. And here Paul is beckoning us here to deepen our love for one another. It's what's inside of you. Impatience says more about you than it does about the other person. And you need to say, Lord, help me to love that person. Lord, help me to grow in my long-suffering in my forbearance. Think of that person as that heavenly sandpaper working in your life. God using that other person. Help me to love that person this week. Help me to understand them better, to gain a different perspective and to really show them agape love. When you do these things, you find it easier to be patient.
to have that forbearance. Now, you know, in baseball, they tell us that the best players, the best hitters in the game typically are only successful about three out of ten times at the plate. Now, think of that. Uh, I mean, the best hitter in the world, they said, for years was that Ted Williams, and he was a legend. He was absolutely obsessed with the measurement of his bat, even down to a tenth of an ounce. It had to be just perfect. They said he couldn't even sleep at night because he was worried about the pitcher he was going to face the next day. And yet he was patient. His lifetime batting average was just about 344, and he was absolutely obsessed. But the joy of playing the game, of seeing the ball fly off the bat, just 34% of the time kept him coming back. I wonder if you have that kind of love and affection for those things in your life. Third thing I would say to you that you need to do is depend upon the power of God. There's a prayer here, Paul, I would say to you, writing there in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, he says, May he strengthen you in his glorious might with ample power to meet whatever comes with fortitude, with patience, and with joy. You know, you can pray that prayer that Jesus will strengthen you in his might with his power, that his Holy Spirit would come upon you and strengthen you and help you in those moments of trial. Those pet peeves, those interruptions, those challenges in life. He's saying that patience here is not merely a matter of human will. I'm going to be patient if it kills me. Some people just, uh, I know, tick you off. You know, isn't it true that oftentimes a lot of the things we face really has to do with other people? And here we find this writer telling us, may the Lord strengthen you in his glorious might with ample power to meet whatever comes with fortitude, with patience, and with joy. Patience really is a form of faith. And it reveals something about where you stand in relation to God. Now, the Bible is full, as you know, of all kinds of examples of people who really had to wait Noah waited 120 years for the boat to float. Uh, you think about Abraham. He waited 90 years before he received his promised son. Moses, again, waited 40 years in the wilderness. All of God's great saints have had to go through this school of waiting, and I can assure you, you will have to go through it as well. Have you ever been in a hurry and God wasn't? God says it's not that... I am not going to give it to you, but it's time to wait. How do you learn patience? It's through these trials. It's through these irritations. It's in the school of waiting. You know, the, the famous uh, Gregory Peck, one time I heard the story. He was standing in line at a famous restaurant. I forget the name of it, but over in Beverly Hills. And they had left the studio, and they got there a little late. And he and his friend, they were standing in line. And tr just trying to get a table was really over the top, a long line. It was lunchtime, and nobody in the restaurant seemed to be moving very fast, including the people that were dining there. They were taking their good old time. And, and after some time, and they were in the back of the line, it is said that uh, 
the friend that Gregory Peck was with said to him, why don't you just go tell the maitre d' there who you are? And Peck responded to say, if you have to tell them who you are, then you aren't. (laughs) The main way we're going to learn patience is by waiting. Waiting upon the Lord. And why should we be patient? It's necessary, I want to say to you, for God's blessing. As the Lord said, tarry here and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says patience is a fruit. It's part of who we are as disciples as we take this journey. Have you ever thought of the fact that God is patient with you? I think often of that text in 2 Peter where it says, think of our Lord's patience. Our Lord is long-suffering towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, to give you every opportunity to give your life to God. Now, maybe some of you still have not fully committed your life to God. And I'm not sure why, but realize that God is still patient with you. God is still working around you, that prevenient grace operative in your life. When you invite Christ in your life, he's going to give you the power to be a patient person, to strengthen you and to help you. And so there are three things that I want to challenge you with here today as we go into this week. And one is to say, Lord, help me to get a broader understanding. Broaden my horizon into this situation. Number two, help me to deepen my love, the agape love to those other people that seem to get under my skin. Whether they're co-workers or family members or neighbors or just somebody else here at the church. Lord, deepen my love. And thirdly, to help me to depend upon you and your power to be more patient. Now, why did I spend a whole day here again on Sunday morning? Because the acid test of your faith is how you handle life's irritations, life's challenges, life's inconveniences, and that's where the rubber meets the road. I trust the day that you will embark on this journey to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ and bear fruit of patience. Shall we pray together? Almighty God, we thank you that we can open your word, have your spirit to speak to our heart. We know we are so busy, it seems, these days. Our plates are full and running over. And oh, may we develop that patience that you talk about. Give us your wisdom. Endue us with your spirit. May your power be upon us. We pray in the name of Christ, our risen Savior. Amen.